What's up, guys? Welcome back to Spill Mama, the podcast for all things mama. No matter what stage of motherhood you're in, we are here for you. I'm Carly. And I'm Taylor. So today we are beginning our episode series on adoption. Um, This is going to be part one of, honestly, we're not sure how many. It could be three. It could be four. Um, I'll let Taylor explain a little bit more of why we're doing multiple episodes on the topic of adoption. But we really wanted to hit on adoption this season because we do hit on biological motherhood a lot. Yeah. Almost in every single episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the beginning, when we when Taylor and I were starting this podcast, we wanted to touch on all types of motherhood. Yeah. Um, and moms, because every single mom has a place. So um, as a listener, if you feel like you're underrepresented as a mom or if you would like us to cover a certain topic in motherhood, please just let us know because there truly is a space for everybody. We yeah. really feel that yeah. <laughs> very deeply. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll let Tay take over. Yeah. Um, I was even thinking, like, um, like we should do an episode on, like, step-parents. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. what it would be. Like, there's just so many different aspects Facets, yeah. Yeah, of yeah. being a mom. Um <laughs> Okay, so I am really excited we're talking about this topic. Um, I have a lot of, like, detailed notes for this episode, which we normally just do, like, a very general outline. Yeah. So if it sounds like I'm reading, it is, because I'm a few times, because... <laughs> I spent a lot of time on this outline because I just didn't want to miss anything. And I'm sure I still did miss stuff. But um, So I'm an adoptive mom, if you're new to the podcast. Um, My husband, Neil, and I have um, a two-year-old sweet little girl, Sayla, and we adopted her um, at birth. We did domestic, private, infant adoption, which is a mouthful. Um, So... Like Carly said, there are going to be a couple of episodes in this series. It probably will be spread out yeah. over, I don't know if we'll fit them all in this season. season yeah. Um, but there's so many different aspects of adoption that we want to cover. Um, so there's private adoption, there's adoption through foster care, there's domestic adoption, which is within the US, then there's mm-hmm. international, um, there's, you know, birth families, birth parents, there's adoptees. Uh, adoptive parents like it's just there's so many different aspects of it and we really want to hit on all of them and I by no means want to be the only voice on this podcast about adoption because um, I don't know that much and I'm not like I'm not arrogant enough to think that like my voice should be the one representing yeah adoption. Well, we, say, we say this in a lot of episodes that we are not experts no. at all we can only speak on our own experiences, and so that's what yes. Taylor wants to do. So I'm going to launch into my massive disclaimer. <laughs> I have, let's see, six points. <laughs> I love so, what I love about Taylor. <laughs> I love a disclaimer. So yes. the first one was, I'm not an expert on adoption. Um, I will definitely, I'm not going to list them all out here, but I on our in our show notes and then on our Instagram, yeah. um, we'll point you guys to podcasts that mm-hmm. fully focus on adoption, Point you to um, Instagram accounts that are focused on healthy, ethical adoptions, birth moms, adult adoptees, all kinds of amazing people who um, you would want to hear from on this topic way more than me, I can promise you. Well, and I feel like there's just so much, there's so many Mm -hmm. ways to learn about this. Like, there really are so many. Yeah, there's great books. I mean, like, there's a ton of stuff. Yeah. So we will just have a—I'm going to start working. It'll take me a while to compile, but I'm just going to make a plethora yeah. of resources. Um, in my opinion, the best people to learn about adoption from are adoptees and birth parents. I mean, adoptive parents obviously have a perspective on mm-hmm. it, but um, it just—there's just so many other members of this whole process. Yeah. 
And um, it's definitely way more traumatic for them than it is for adoptive parents. Well, I think that's just such a like a brave thing for you to say too, because and we were talking about this earlier, is like as an adoptive parent, like you have a completely every experience is so different for mm-hmm. you're gonna go into great detail about it, but I just think it's such a brave thing to say that, like, you're saying my story is not the most important. No, no, not at all. And I think that's just such a beautiful part of Taylor's personality that she doesn't, she's like, I don't want this to be about me because there's (laughs) so many more people involved. And it is so important. So, yeah, I I think that other people, other people's perspective, and I, like, appreciate when adoptive parents educate and talk about the whole process, but um, we have such a one-sided view of it. So, um. I'm also not going to share a ton of personal details around our adoption. I'll share like the story and the process, what it's like to like go through private domestic adoption, but out of respect for Sayla and Sayla's family, her birth family, um, that's not like my story to tell. It's her yeah. story if she chooses to tell it one day. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's just not going to be a ton of like personal details. So if you're looking for those, look elsewhere, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and um this this is not the like what I, the stuff I'm gonna say is not the end all be all for adoption. I don't think that I have it all right. Like I didn't when I first started learning about adoption. Like I some stuff rubbed me the wrong way that I heard, mm-hmm. and some of it was because I didn't agree with it, and some mm-hmm. of it as I dug in was like, oh, I think I don't agree with that, or I think it bothers me because I'm actually like wrong and I'm learning something here. Um. Because I don't know about you, Isn't but sometimes how we all are. yeah, <laughs> my, it kind of ruffles my feathers. Yeah, and I remember one time someone like ruffled my feathers with something they were talking about, and they said like, "If this bothers you, I would ask you to like look inward and ask why." Wow. And it was a birth mom who said it, and I was like, "Dang, like that's so true." And it was like I was like had this wrong mindset about well, this topic. Um, I think that's a great reminder in general if yeah. something bothers you, just to. Like look, look inward. inward, and yeah. it doesn't always mean that you're wrong. Like sure. sometimes it bothers yeah. you because you have a personal conviction, and yeah. you're going to stand on that. But sometimes it is because it's going to cause us to be uncomfortable and grow, mm-hmm. and so it makes you feel un- uncomfortable. Yeah, um, I believe in God and have a relationship with Him. So my perspective, my experience, and my language in this episode is going to be shaped by that. Yeah, if you don't, it's like don't let that deter you from listening. Um, yeah. And there's always room to grow and change. And I have changed my language and thought process around adoption so much, even from just two years ago when we adopted Sailor. Really? Like I change like I don't say certain words anymore. I've changed how I think about things. So if Are you, you gonna share those? Like, yeah. okay. Yeah. So if you if you are listening to this and you feel like kind of like how we talked about with like in the miscarriage episode from season one Mm -hmm. and infertility, like if you discover that maybe you've been saying things that aren't helpful or Mm -hmm. kind or offensive to adoptees or adoptive parents or whatever, like just like, don't, don't be too harsh on yourself. No, no. Like just don't drown in it. Just say like, okay, I know better now and and move on. Or even better, ask the people that you're talking to, like what is helpful to them. Is that like, did that offend you when I said it? Like, help, like educate me and help me know. Yeah, and I even did that. I asked Taylor that today. I mm-hmm. was like, if I ask a question, just genuinely, like, just know my heart that I'm, yeah. I'm actually asking you because I don't know. I don't know the language to use. And she was like, I will tell you. Yeah, and I would so much rather someone ask me a question than just them not be sure, but just assume Say and go it. one. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. I would just rather someone ask. Yeah. Okay, that was the end of my really long disclaimer. Um, 
There are some terms and language that I wanted to go over before we, like, dove in. Um, So just because I'll use them while we're talking, and I already did, actually, so that might have been confusing. So the triad, the adoption triad, is it looks like a triangle. And the three corners of the triangle are um, adoptee, and an adoptee is an adoptive child, Mm -hmm. but adoptee is the term that um, is, like, the proper term for it. And then um, adoptive parents and then um, birth families or birth parents. Mm -hmm. So they form a triangle. Obviously, the like everyone involved with adoption can't be wrapped up into that one triangle. Like, I know that they were even like kind of they being just people who like are kind of moving this like adoption education forward in general. People are kind of even moving away from the triad and making it like a bigger shape. I, I don't know. But that's in general like those three pieces make up the main part of adoption. Obviously, it's fueled by community and family and friends and all of this stuff. But that's the adoption triad. I just told you what adoptees were. Um, Birth family is the birth, so the people who gave birth and are the biological family of the adoptees. Um, Transracial adoption. Oh, I forgot to add this on here too. I'll say it. But um, don't call... Biracial children, mixed children. People do that all the time now. And it makes it sound like like biracial is like yeah. the term to use instead yeah. of mixed because it's like a, they're not like a biracial a children. Yeah. It makes it like sound like a dog, honestly. Yeah, it's like, like, does it not? Yeah. It's just, just don't say it anymore. It's yeah. just one of those things of like, it's, it, they are biracial because they are made up of two races. Yes. Um. So a transracial adoption is when a adoptive family and the adoptive, the adoptees are different races. So, okay. It could be a white family with black children. It could be a black family with white children or um, Latina children, whatever it is. Got so it. that's a transracial adoption. Um, open and closed adoptions. An open adoption means that there is no uh, stipulations on communication. Okay. Um, usually the birth family and the adoptive family agree on what that looks like. It may be you have phone numbers, you have mm-hmm. emails. Um, you agree to see each other X amount of times. Unfortunately, in South Carolina, you cannot be legally bound to an open adoption. Some states, you sign things where you hmm. could, like, like if we had said to Sayla's family, we will see you once a year, yeah. but we didn't hold up to it. In some states, like, her family could take us to court and, like, hold really? us to that document. But in South Carolina, you can't, which okay. I think is unfortunate because I think a lot yeah. of things just kind of fall through. Yeah. Because to me, it seems like everything else in adoption is a legal binding document. Yeah. And I don't know if other people feel this way. I do. Um, of I wish that that was like the common thing for all states. Yeah. Because there's nothing stopping the family from just like right. piecing out, you know? Yeah. Um, and again, that I'm sure that would be a case-by-case basis. But closed adoption is there is absolutely no communication um, you do not have each other's personal information. This is not super common anymore. I was just about to ask that. Are there yeah. like the statistics? What does I don't know what like? the statistics are. Um, it used to be that closed was the go-to. Like that's what most yeah. people did for a really long time. And I would say in the last like probably the last fifteen to twenty years, it's become more common to be open. And then I would say now, I'm not going to put a number on it. I don't know, but the majority are open. Okay. Like you don't see a lot of people requesting closed. Really? Mm-mm. Um, there is something called, I think it's semi-open adoption, 
which I just don't think people really do anymore. Like, I think you just kind of pick one or the other. I do have a question. With mm-hmm. open adoption, does that mean, I know there's, like, you you come up with an agreement, mm-hmm. but do some people choose that, like, the birth mother could see the child whenever and yeah. wherever? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that does happen It's totally sometimes. up to your discretion. Okay. Um, and, yeah, so closed is just, closed is, like, you don't have any communication, and, like, the files cannot be touched until the adoptee is 18. 18, okay. Mm-hmm. And then they can do whatever they want with it. Got it. Um, people, it's also not PC anymore to say that um, birth families gave up their children for adoption. Um, the proper thing to say is they placed their child for adoption. We say Sayla's mom chose adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, giving up just is not like not it doesn't have term. a positive connotation with it, and it's like the they're choosing or not choosing Absolutely. adoption. Like when you become a parent, so. Yeah. And then um, this is just my personal thing of birth families should always be talked about with respect and honor, Mm. period. I don't care what's going on. (laughs) Just for me personally, like if I, I would never allow for someone, not that anyone would have anything bad to say about Sailor's birth family, but I would never tolerate someone talking poorly or assuming things or saying things to me in a negative connotation because, um, a, you probably have no idea mm-hmm. the intricacies of it, but especially never tolerate it in front of Sayla. Um, but I just think a lot of times, like, birth families from stereotypes can get, like, bad reps. Mm-hmm. Bad raps? Raps. Raps. Or is it reps? Reputation? Reputation? I don't know. Have I been saying raps. that wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I think I want to say bad rap. I, I do, too. I'm going to Google it. Okay. <laughs> but Urban Dictionary. Yeah, I think um, that's something that happens a lot, and I've heard it a lot, and... To me, it's just like, first of all, it's not really anybody's business. Mm-hmm. And second of all, like, let's just talk about each other with kindness. Like, we have no idea mm-hmm. what's going on, what led anybody to A, B, and C situation. Like, it just, it's just not kind to me. And it's just like making all kinds of assumptions and yeah. then also painting pictures for other people. Yeah. You know? And I think ultimately you want what's best for Sayla, and that's doing her a disservice to yeah, ever absolutely. talk badly about her birth family. Yeah. And then the last one for language is um, not uh, families that have adoptees not asking the parents um, who their real children are, yeah. or like if someone ever asked me when if we were going to have children of our own, like Sayla is yours, my child, yeah. Um, and I would shut that down real quick in a very polite, kind way. But um, those are just if you have ever said those things, or you know, just don't say them moving forward. Like it's not; it just automatically assumes that adoptees are not. The your, parents' your real children. Well, it also goes down to, I just don't think that's really your business, it, asking that type of question again, in general. <laughs> and I have this further down here. Like, the amount of freedom that people feel that yes. they can step into, yeah. like, the like because some because a kid is um, adopted or in the foster care system, the freedom that people feel to dig into the their business is crazy. And this is one of those areas of, yeah. like, you know, it's just oh, it's yeah. just wild. I mean, I've definitely heard that before. Yeah, and it's the same thing of like asking people when they're going to have kids, how yeah. many kids they're going to have. Which like, we've already said, this yeah. is not an appropriate question. It's not. <laughs> so those are that's kind of like the terms and language thing that is that like was really helpful PC, to me. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, that's really helpful because a lot of those I think are just like terms I've never even thought to think about. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so we polled our followers on Instagram on a few things, mm-hmm. um, and here are the statistics on what you guys said. 
Question was, are you an adoptive mom? 92% said no. 8% said yes. Um, Next question was, how much would you say you know about the adoption process in general? 26% said nothing. 54% said a little bit. And 17% said a lot. How much would you say that? I think I said, I think I, when I did it, I said a little bit. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I I don't even know if I responded to that. But um, I think I've learned a lot from you, Mm -hmm. but I still want to learn so much. And that's why I love doing episodes like this because I still Mm -hmm. learn. I still learn a lot from you. Um, so today we are going to mainly focus on private adoptions and that's, that's what you guys did. Mm -hmm. It was a private domestic adoption, correct? correct? Um, so Tay, tell us what you feel comfortable sharing from y'all's experience with private domestic adoption. Yes. So again, like we said earlier, we're going to hit on other forms of it. Um, we're going to hit on international private adoption and, um, adoption through foster care and then also just foster care in general. I just don't have, I know a little bit about those yeah. different um, subjects, but not a ton. So we're going to bring on people who. Yeah, that's um, why we want several episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like rehearsing this on my drive over here to Carly's house, trying to remember everything because um, I'm sure it's how people feel about their birth stories. Like the further away you get from it, the more fuzzy it's hard it gets. to remember. It's <laughs> yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, so. Adoption was always adoption's a big part of my family's life. My littlest brother is adopted. Um, I have a cousin who's adopted. We have lots of friends who um, have adopted kids, and we also have a lot of friends who have fostered, adopted through the foster care system. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just kind of always been around us. Um, so it was something that Neil. I remember when Neil and I kind of got to the place where we were like, okay, we're like seriously dating, mm-hmm. and we're probably going to get like we want to get married. I remember telling him, like... Um, I remember you saying this. <laughs> just have I said on the podcast before? Yeah, I think okay. so. I'll say it again if you're new. I told him, I said, I know that I want to adopt. Like, that's, like, a non-negotiable for me and yeah. my future family. So if you're not, like, into that, like, now would be the time to, yeah. <laughs> to leave. You can peace out now. Um, so That's a good disclaimer. She's all about disclaimers. <laughs> I am. So that was something that we, like, knew we wanted to do um, before we even got married. So, um which obviously he was like super into it. So. Yes, clearly. <laughs> clearly. Um, so we really didn't talk about kids until we were like moving from Raleigh, North Carolina here to Greenville, South Carolina. And when we moved, we talked about like, okay, do we want to adopt first? Do we want to try and get pregnant. What do we want to do? We decided to try and get pregnant first. Um, obviously that didn't pan out. <laughs> and we, I think we were like, Eight or nine months into trying, we weren't even at the full year when we started yeah. talking about, like, okay, if this is, like, not what God has for us, like, what, you know, what are our other options, yeah. like, to become parents? And not that adoption is, like, a something to fix us, not, like, to yeah. make us become parents. It was just, that was always part of our plan anyways. Yeah. Um. So we actually looked at fostering first, and we tried to get our foster license through the state. Mm -hmm. But the first, so we didn't get very far. I remember I met with someone here in Greenville who, um, she just is awesome in the foster care community. She's just kind of like the head honcho. A lot of people like are connected to her. And um, I remember meeting with her, meeting with somebody else, and then starting the process and finding out that. So I think this law is gone now, but it used to be that if you're, if you lived in a house that was built before 1978 and you had lead-based paint. 
Oh, yeah. That you couldn't foster under the age. It was either six or, I think it was 10. Huh. Yeah. I think that that law is gone now. Um, oh, my gosh. Actually, I'm positive it's gone that. now. But it was in place still. So we were told that we, like, went and got a, we were in a rental house. We went and got, like, an at-home kit, and we did our test, and we had lead-based paint. No. <laughs> yeah. And we, at that stage, knew that we did not want to start out um, parenting a 10-year-old yeah. through the foster care system. Um sure. And not even adoption, but I mean, we were 25, 26. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had literally like two pennies to rub yeah. together. <laughs> we lived in this teeny tiny house that really was made. The only age appropriate child to be in our house was like an infant <laughs> because they don't take up very much space. <laughs> we had one bathroom. Like it was just not the situation for yeah. us. Um, and then so we started to kind of like see what our other options were. We looked at, um, the South Carolina Heart Gallery, which is a nonprofit yes. that works with DSS, yes. and they um, basically work with the state to help place children who are, um, quote-unquote, legally free for adoption. I hate that term, but there's no other way to put it. Just their parents' parental rights had been terminated, and they were um, in the foster care system, but— um, did not need to go into a foster home. They needed to be adopted. So we actually inquired about probably five or six kids, um, and none of them kind of, like, lined up with what, like, we were denied every time because it didn't line up with, like, what we were looking for, like, in our particular living situation at the time. And then we got—then I got a call from the Anderson Crisis Pregnancy Center. We um, were talking about—with this lady about these two twins that were about to be born, and we, like— do you remember any of I this? I remember all of this. It was such a crazy, like, up and down ride. Um, I think, honestly, Taylor, we were at we were at dinner or lunch together. Mm-hmm. Do you remember we were at Cairo's and you had there you oh, got a you're phone right. call? You're right about twins. You are right. I was. We were literally sitting there and you were like, um, "I'm getting a phone call or a text message or something," and it was about twins. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. I were totally, I remember it. I'm so impressed with your memory. I have a great memory. You do, and I have a terrible memory, so what a great pair we are. I do remember that. That's right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we, um, that was a conversation happening for a while of like, yeah. this mom was deciding if she wanted to place her twins um, for adoption or if um, she wanted to parent, went back and forth. We were like trying to get a home study really quick. Um, she ended up deciding to parent, which was great. Mm-hmm. And then, so after that, we were like, okay, we're ready to like move forward with adoption. Like, yeah. this is what we want to do. So we started looking for an agency. We actually, the agency that we adopted Sailor through was our third agency. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, so the first one we went with, a lot of people recommended it, and we were thoroughly underwhelmed with it. We were a little sketched out by it, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. And... I think someone asked a question later on, which we can go into more detail of like how to choose the right agency. Yeah. It just was in my gut. Like I just yeah. was like, I just don't have a good feeling about this. And I really am glad we didn't go with them. It was a good choice. You um, should have a piece about it. Yeah. And then we signed with a consulting agency, which is basically like they're kind of like a third party that works with adoption agencies all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so the process moves a lot faster, but it's really expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. like, like baseline, like forty fifty thousand dollars, and we just could not justify like when there are like adoption agencies. It just we could not justify the cost and like it just. So why is it so much more expensive? Because they're because adoption baseline cost is tens of thousands of dollars, and then they were work. So you've got to pay the just the flat out cost to the agency, whatever that right. is, 
And then they have their consultation fee on top of that. Because they're so like our agency was here local in South Carolina. And the consulting agency was like based in like up north somewhere, but they were like had connections all over. And you said it was quicker. It was faster because they were working with a lot more agencies. Got it. Um, So that's great. Like we know people who have adopted through that and it was great for them. So we landed on our agency, which is local here to South Carolina. And it's smaller and it's, it was perfect. We loved it. Um, If we adopt it, if we adopt again privately, we will adopt again. But if we adopt again privately, we will definitely use Use them again. And if anyone is serious about adoption and wants to know the name, I will happily give it out. I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but um, we loved how small it was because we didn't get like lost in the crowd. Mm-hmm. They were always ready to like answer our questions and our phone calls and emails. It was just great. And you said that is that's in Greenville. That's yes, a local. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one um, one of the women who runs it is up here in the upstate, and the other one is in Charleston. Got it. Um, so. We signed with them, and so once you sign with a private adoption agency, also, I want to go ahead and say now, I'm going to talk about it later on, but uh, the private adoption process, international and domestic, and then also the foster care system, all of it is really broken. Mm -hmm. It all needs a lot of reform. Mm -hmm. A lot of things need to change. Um, It doesn't negate the fact that there are still babies being born whose parents are choosing adoption for them and that families need to be there but also doesn't negate from the fact that like that's also contributing to this like cyclical things that's happening so I fully recognize that it's like a very broken system and a lot Mm -hmm. of it is like really messed up and really sad it's not all bad Mm -hmm. there are really great people there are a lot of agencies that are not ethical but just that's my little we'll talk about it more but I just want to say at the top of the episode um before anyone jumps ship if it like because some people are really bothered by it yeah Understandably so, because there's a lot about it that is kind of crummy. So we signed with them. When you sign with an agency, you do this super long application, and then your first step, like if you get accepted, your first step is a home study. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the home study. Yeah, so the social worker comes to your house, and you have to fill out a ungodly amount of paperwork <laughs> and just expose yourself completely mm-hmm. you have to go get fingerprinted um by the government like it's through the government system you have to do a, like an official background check um again tons of paperwork so much paperwork you need to have like personal references professional references you have to like give all of your financial details i mean it's wow. a pr- it's a very exposing process as it should be, because someone else right. is entrusting you sure. with their child. Yeah. Um, but it is a very exposing process. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to like have if it's a Christian agency, they often want letters from like your pastor and mm-hmm. like it's just it's a lot of stuff. So we did our home study and then you have to build your profile book. So um a lot of it is like online now where um it's like this system I don't know but you like basically market your family which is super like weird photos of yourself photos descriptions of yourself like that's awesome yeah it's it's cool but it's weird yeah like it's like hey sure this is why you should pick me over yeah. this other really sweet family yeah. it's just weird yeah um again another one of those things that's like it's just part of the process but mm-hmm. it's bizarre mm-hmm. so to make it less icky Neil and I wrote about each other instead of us writing our things it felt way less icky that way <laughs> way less icky I love how she just said that. um so <laughs> We made our profile book, and then we waited because we were, like, officially had done everything. And I think that we waited, 
I want to say it was it was just a couple of months. It wasn't super long. Some people wait a while. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and um, so we were chosen by, or I'm sorry, Sayla's mom saw, saw our profile and wanted to talk to us on the phone. So I remember the night of the phone call, we were at, I don't know if, it couldn't have been fall for Greenville timing-wise. It must have been some other festival that was like early yeah. fall Artist in downtown sphere. Greenville. Maybe no. so. That's when is fall spring. for Greenville? October? Usually in October. Maybe it was beginning of October. Yeah. Um. So I remember we were downtown with friends, and we, like, went back to our car to have the phone call. And it was—I will never be more nervous waiting for I a was phone about to say. I, I was, cannot imagine. It was just so weird. Like, I remember feeling so many emotions of, like, like how must she feel? Yeah. And, like, how—what a weird— what a weird thing to be doing, like, looking through people's profile books to, like, decide who's going to, like, raise your child. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine what that feels but like. But also, to me, you know, I instantly just thought of the bravery. Yeah. To, oh, to, completely. To get on the phone and talk to people yes. about, like, that takes tremendous bravery. Oh, she's, I've, I will say it till the day I die, like, just, it, she's the bravest person I'll ever meet. That's amazing. Um. So we... Talked to her. It wasn't a super long conversation. And, um, like, we all acknowledged, like, this is weird. We're pretty nervous. Um, so we, like, just talked to her a little bit. And then after – and I'm not going to go the details of that conversation. But after that, she, like, chose us. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, I think we hopped on the phone again. And she told us, like, her due date. And so a lot of agencies will not um, introduce – birth families and adoptive parents until they're in their third trimester. Okay. Because, um, A, it's a lot of time. If, mm-hmm. like, if, you know, first trimester, if you decided, like, you could change your mind, you can change your mind after whenever. the baby's born, whenever. Yeah. Um, but it's just a lot of time for y'all to be connected and a lot of emotions to walk through. And there's just, I think it makes think complete good, sense. Yeah, that makes sense to me, too. Right. Um. So she told us her due date and told us that she really wanted us to be there for Sayla's birth. Does that always happen? Does no. Okay. Mm-mm. No, I actually think that, um, I think it's becoming more common. Yeah. But I think it's definitely more common to not, like, invite the to be adoptive parents in. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, because it's one of those things of, like, um, I, if it were me, I don't think I would want the adoptive parents there. Because it would I feel, I would emotion. feel pressure. Yeah. Like, even if I had made my decision, I know that I still have the option to choose to parent. And I think I would feel, me personally, would feel pressure of, like, if they're there, like, right. I have to go through with this. Yeah. Um, but they have, they like, they have the decision. Correct. For how long? So, South Carolina, it's 48 hours. After the baby's They born. have to wait for 48 hours before signing over parental rights. Like, they legally okay. can't sign before that. Okay. Um, I think the main reason is, like, if you had any kind of, like, um, like an epidural or anything like in your system to make sure it's fully out before all the medications you. are out. Correct. Got it. Some states, um, it's just twenty four hours. I think that's pretty rare. Most most are forty eight. Some states are really like a lot longer. Yeah. Um, I think there's. It's either Alaska. It's some like obscure state out west or something that is like three months. Wow. Yeah. So they have the full. They don't have to wait the full three months, but yeah, they have they the full three months. Wow. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I'm trying to think where I was. So she invited you to the birth. Yes. Um, so after that, we talked a little bit, but not mm-hmm. a ton in between then and when Sayla was born. Um, and that was. Is that a choice of yours or hers or? Um, 
we just we just didn't really uh like we would text a little bit but yeah. um I got the feeling that she didn't want to talk a ton before so we just respected that and gave yeah. her her space um and so in the meantime it was such a weird feeling I remember setting up the nursery but just doing the bare minimum um cuz I was we were very much holding everything with an open hand mm-hmm. knowing that Sayla very much could be our daughter. She also very much could not be. Yeah. Um, and that we like fully wanted it was such a bizarre place to be. Yeah, like I can imagine being hopeful that we were gonna become parents, but what a weird thing to be like hoping that someone else is going to like choose um to like let me like allow me to parent their child. Well, and I remember at Taylor's baby shower you said that you were you talked mm-hmm. about that and even prayed over Sayla's yeah. birth mother yeah. and just how it was such a hard thing to want it so, you know, want Sayla so much, yeah. but also know that, yeah. you know, it's just, a, I'm sure I'm a, I can only imagine. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of feelings and such a small, insignificant amount of feelings compared to what her mom was feeling. I mean, like, I, I want to acknowledge that adoptive parents have feelings and it's a lot of things. Of course. But also, like, again, we are such a small piece of the whole puzzle. Um, but I and I remember before the baby shower, I really didn't want to have one. Um, I'm glad we did because we didn't have any baby stuff. Um, but I remember uh, the morning of. I remember calling my mom and sobbing. It's gonna be emotional, <laughs> sobbing because I was like, it just feels weird to celebrate and like, like celebrate this baby, and I'm like so scared to be attached to her, and also like. I, I'm not hoping that, like, this family separates. Yeah. But also, like, it, it's just so weird and so, yeah. like, twisted and, like, yeah. it makes you feel really crappy. Um, it's just, it's a lot of feelings. And then also, like, already loving Sayla so fiercely, mm-hmm. loving her mom so fiercely, and just, like, it just, it was a lot. So um, exactly one week after the baby shower, we... I remember that day, um, or it was like six days after the baby, after the baby shower, because it was a Friday. And I remember that day, I was so unsettled. Like, I could not, and it was just, it was the Lord, it was God. I could not do anything but sit in that nursery and pray and cry. I just could not feel peaceful. Um, and it's because Sayla was going to be born later that night. But You said this is six days after the shower? After the shower, yeah. So Sayla came... Four weeks early, oh um, I think that they got, I think the doctors got her due date wrong yeah. um, because she was like full size. Like it just, yeah. it didn't, it doesn't line up or she would yeah. have been, if she was early, she was going to be a massive baby if she went <laughs> the full 40 weeks. Um, but I just remember sitting in the nursery. I remember sending out texts to all kinds of people and being like, just pray. I just feel like something's off. Like I just mm. can't feel peaceful. Mm. Um, and I remember we went and got, Asada that night for dinner. Oh, one of your faves. Love it. Love it. (laughs) And then we were watching um, Star a Star Wars movie, and we got a call from Sayla's mom, and um, she was really panicky, and she was like, "Something's not right. I'm going to go to the hospital and get checked." Um, And we were like, "Okay, just keep us updated. Like, we will leave right now." Like, and she was like, "No, just wait. I'll call you." And I was like, "Okay, well, let me." She was, like, getting in the car. I was, like, I'm going to pray really quick. And I started yeah. to pray, and the line went dead. And her <gasps> phone died. Oh, my gosh. And so we, like, I called We called our agency, and we were, like, what should we do? Because she was four hours away. So we were, like, what should we do? Like, should we, you know, like, I know people have, what is it called, 
pedominal labor. Uh-huh. Is that the right? Like, yeah. you know, Braxton Hicks, labor. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I know people have false alarms all yeah. the time. So, yeah. like, what should we do? And they said, just because Neil's parents were halfway between us and where Sayla was born. So they were like, just start driving, just like pack a bag and, and stay there. Just if, stay there and yeah. see. So I remember I called, we called our family. We had Jet, our dumb dog. <laughs> Poor Jet. <laughs> So I called, like we called, I called my sister and I was like, can you come get Jet? Because my parents had like said they would take him. But like, can you get him there? Like we have to like pack a bat. I called my mom. I remember calling. I mean, my y'all f- didn't have anything packed because you didn't think. Yeah. Nothing. It wasn't supposed to be for another month. Golly. We literally had gotten the car seat six days before and just put the crib up. And that's even impressive that you had it then. Oh, it was totally the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I remember calling Caitlin, who came on the podcast mm-hmm. in season one and being like, okay, so we're not going to tell anybody, but this is what's happening. What do I need to bring with me? I don't even know. Oh, my god! So I packed this, like, haphazard bag. We packed clothes for, like, two days and just got oh in the car gosh, and started driving. It was, days. like, 10 yeah. p.m. Um, by the time we, like, got out on the road, we made it to Neil's parents' house. And also, I'm just going to apologize because this is going to be such a long episode. <laughs> um, we, we thought this was going to be a shorter yeah. episode. Who are we joking? <laughs> we made it to um, Neil's parents' house. We hadn't heard anything we were talking to our like the ladies at our agency. We were trying to call Sayla's mom, and we just like couldn't um, get a hold of her. Couldn't get a hold of her because her phone was dead. And um, oh my gosh! So we didn't hear her. anything. I did not sleep that night at all. And the next morning, um, not even morning. It was like lunchtime. Our agency called us. We were just sitting there all day. Like, what do we do? We don't know. And so we got a call from our agency. And I remember getting on the phone with Carrie and she, um, one of the ladies who works at the agency, and she said, um, so she was born last night at midnight, and I burst into tears <gasps> because I was, like, so devastated that I wasn't there for her mom. I was devastated that I had missed it. But you didn't, you didn't know. I no, mean, I, yeah. no, not at all. Yeah. It just was one of those things of, like, I just felt so sad, and I was so panicky of, like, okay, this, my daughter's here. Like, I, I want to get to her, and I want right. to get to her mom. I'm like. sure. Um, and I'm found out later from our NICU nurses that it was a very traumatic birth. So really? I think that was honestly the Lord. Like, the sh- I think I just didn't need to be there. Right. For her mom's sake and my sake, I just, I think it wasn't a good situation. Yeah. Wild Limb Skincare is dedicated to creating products that allow people to make healthier, safer, and more informed choices for themselves and their families. They believe your skincare routine should be simple with fewer steps that achieve lasting results. Sustainably made and formulated with natural ingredients that are so pure, you can feel good about using them on the whole family. Everything they make is fresh and crafted in small batches. The ingredients are top-notch and do not sacrifice quality to save money. Wild Bloom sources as many organic ingredients as possible, and they scent their products with 100% pure, therapeutic-grade essential oils. They never use synthetic fragrance, harsh chemicals, phthalates, parabens, or retinol, to name a few. Their clean formulas offer you effective, non-toxic alternatives for beautiful, healthy skin. Taylor and I have both been using Wild Bloom products for the last couple of months and absolutely love every product we've tried. The discount code for listeners is SPILLMAMA20. That's all caps, S-P-I-L-L-M-A-M-A-2-0 for 20% off your order. Their website is wildbloomskincare.com, which can also be found in our show notes and on our Instagram. So we got in the car and started driving and... Started calling everybody and updating them, telling them what was going on. And we got down there, and Sayla's mom um, was kind enough to, like, give us permission to, like, go in and, like, meet her in the NICU. Yeah. 
And I remember walking oh in and gosh. seeing her for the first time, and it was just like the wildest thing. Um, the most this little beautiful. person that I'd been wondering, like, like what are you going to look like? Yeah. Like, what? Oh my gosh, it's going to make me cry. I know. Just <laughs> it was like so. I remember seeing her and just being instantly being like, "Gosh, hi!" Like, I would do anything for you. I'd take instantly. a bullet for you. I love you so much. Like, nothing will ever change that. Even if you aren't my daughter, like yeah. I just love you so much. Oh my gosh. Um, and it was just such a crazy day because we couldn't really know anything because legally we weren't allowed to HIPAA and everything. So we just hung out in the NICU all day and Sayla's mom was resting um, and didn't want to meet us that day. We totally respected that. Um, and then the next day, I guess we didn't meet her the next day either. We didn't meet her until um, like the 48 hour mark. Yeah. And, um, Carrie, who had called me and told me that from our agency, agency called me and told me that Sayla was born, came to the hospital, which was amazing. Mm. And we got to meet and spend a lot of time with Sayla's mom, um, which was incredible. Sayla's great grandmother, Sayla's half sisters. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was so awesome. So yeah. we got to spend a lot of time with them. And then um, I remember they left and Carrie was like, okay, we're going to go sign the papers. And that was just the worst, weirdest feeling. Um mm. Just of like, I don't know, just watching them like walk out of the door and being like, I like hate this, but also like, this is what you're choosing. And this is like, like you have told us that you want us to love her. And like, and she was obsessed with Neil and Sayla's dynamic. Yeah. Just, I mean, she was like, she's going to still have that dynamic. Yes. Like she's going to have, she just kept saying like, I just am. I mean, she, she was like, I love you. I do to me. But she was like, I just didn't have this, like, father-daughter thing. And, like, watching him with her already, like, I just, I know that this was, like, this is the right choice. And it was just, wow, it was just such a sweet time that we will never forget. Um, but then walking out to sign those papers was, like, again, those feelings of, like, this is just really awful and crappy and everything. And, um so they signed the papers, and then we, like, got all of her medical information. And um, I've said before, she was in the NICU for 17 days. So we um, – amazing – that hospital was amazing. The NICU was amazing. And they ended up giving me a room free of charge for that whole two weeks that I was there. And oh, that, my god! I know, which those are normally so expensive. So expensive. Yeah, I mean, they were, like, as long as you, like, strip your bed and give it, give the, like – that's the cleaners, incredible. your sheets, and if you have your own towels, I was like, literally, no problem. Anything. I will scrub the <laughs> So floors. I was like 10 steps away from her that whole two weeks because wow. Neil had to go back to work. So I lived in that hospital for two weeks. And then... Um, How did you have clothes? Because you only packed like a Yeah, for so two days. it was my mom, you know, like my mom People came down. Stuff. Okay. His mom came down. We spent a ton of money at Target. I'm sure. Um, and I had like, my family came to visit. Neil's family came to visit. We had friends come, like... Um, and that was before COVID. So people, a few people come in and out of the NICU, but they only gave us five people total and we couldn't change the names the whole time, which was really frustrating. But so most like my, all of my family, except my mom and my dad didn't meet her until after we got home. home. So I just, I remember they wouldn't let, she had like leads on her. So we couldn't walk far outside of her little NICU, uh, area, but our favorite nurse one day, my, my family was there. I was just weepy all day because I missed home and. Our amazing nurse Shelly was she took Sayla's leads off and she was like, 
go tell your family to go stand at the door of the nursery, like oh the NICU. Oh, my gosh. And she was like, hey, Taylor, I think Sayla needs a new um, swaddle blanket. Will you walk up front with me? <laughs> and I, like, followed her up front with Sayla. And so they sit at the window. Oh, my god! And I held her up. And we have a picture of, like, everybody crying, meeting her. It's so sweet. What an amazing she, nurse. Oh we have my so gosh. many pictures with her. I'm friends with her on Facebook. Shelly, if oh you're listening gosh. to this, you're amazing. <laughs> it was we so all great. love you. It was so great. So... That is our super long story. And then we were discharged and went home. And yeah, um, yeah that's kind Started of the whole process. Together. Yeah, oh it's so hard gosh. to like condense it into a really short story. I just remember, I still remember seeing those first photos of her. Ugh. Oh my gosh, ripping her nugget. heart out. She's a cutie, man. Thank you so, so much for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, sorry that, it was wordy. It's just no, a lot to fit in. No, and honestly, there were so many p- details of that that I had never heard mm-hmm. before, too. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciate you, Sharon. Um, so what would you say are some big things that you have learned as an adoptive mom in the last couple yeah. of years? There's a ton. Um, so I would say, first and foremost, I've learned a ton about transracial adoption. So Sela is biracial, and we are um, white, Neil and I. And I... When we said that we were open to it, we really said we were open to whatever when we were, like, filling out our application. And um, I knew of a few adoptive families that were, they had, um, they were transracial adoptive families. And I started talking to them, and then I just, we educated ourselves a ton before Mm -hmm. of, like, um, we are never going to, like, I'm never going to be a black mom for Sayla. Like, that's yeah. not possible for me. Yeah. And, like, um, knowing that it is incredibly important that Sayla is immersed and involved in black culture because she's not going to get it at our, our house. I mean, right. like, we, w- we will do what we can, but we're right. not black. Right. And um, that's a part of Sayla, who Sayla is. It's yeah. not what defines her, but it is a huge part of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so understanding that, like, are like that influences which I think it should anyways like I think we should all want to be around people who don't look like us absolutely and don't believe like us and think like us because when we're in little bubbles of people that are clones of us like what comes out of that service to ourselves yeah completely so um there's so much that goes into that I mean like our skin is different our hair is different just Mm -hmm. there's if you are considering transracial adoption like being open to it I would say, like, definitely educate yourself, ask your ask questions, and figure out, like, are you going to make the sacrifices necessary for your child mm-hmm. of, like, choosing where you live, choosing where they go to school, where you go to church, who you're friends with, like, all of that stuff. Like, it has, they have to have mirrors of people who mm-hmm. look like them around them. That's such a good point. And it's a conscious choice. Like, it's, like, I didn't realize how Everything. white our surroundings were until yeah. we adopted Sayla, and it was, like, dang, like, we really... Like, we are going to have to really work at that, and that's on us. Yeah. Um, so that's I think point. that is a really big thing. And then I would say another thing I've learned is adoption is a trauma um, just in and of itself. Like, even infant adoption. Like, Sayla's never going to remember anyone being her parents besides us. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, you know, she'll always know that she has um, an incredible mom, but— She's always going to think of us as, like, her mom and dad who have raised her, but it's still a trauma because it's a loss of identity. Mm -hmm. It's confusing. It's, I mean, so many questions to ask 
when you're older. Like it's just it's a lot to process through. Yeah. You're separated like from what the family. Could have been. Yeah. yeah. Grieving your, you know, grieving your birth family, like mm. asking really hard questions. Like it's just a lot. Oh yeah. Um, and honestly, like something that I used to say, one of the things that I've changed since we've adopted Sayla is I think it's a very common thing for Christians, believers to compare adoption to the gospel. And I used to do that and I don't do it anymore. And if you are not a Christian, the gospel is the part, the parts of the Bible that focus on when Jesus comes down to earth mm-hmm. as a baby, grows up sinless and blameless um, amongst us humans, mm-hmm. and then um, is the savior of the world, dies for us and takes on our sins so that we can have a relationship with him and go to heaven. And tells us he's coming back. Yes. And um, a lot of people will compare adoption to that. And while I get where people get the parallels from, I think it just, it, it puts adoptive parents in the seat of the saviors. Mm. And that is a, not true. Um, I know I've I think I've said this before. Or I mean, even, I d- or even thought this. I remember when we like when I published a blog post that we were adopting. Like yeah. I was talking, not comparing myself as a savior, but just talking about right. how we believe that this like yeah. connects back to the gospel. And I'm like mortified that I did because yeah. I would never say that now because it makes it puts us in the seat of like mm. we saved Sayla and we took her and we saved Sayla's mom, and mm. that is 100 percent not true. Like mm. God took this situation that was broken for because of you know whatever mm-hmm. sin the fallen world a result is a result of it is broken families a result of it is miscarriage yeah. and infertility and all of these things that are out it's of our control world. yeah and like god took that and made it something beautiful and it's beautiful but it's still full of pain mm. and it's still full still full of a lot of loss um and i'm like butchering my thought process here but I think that that's something I wish that's something that would start to be erased from Christian vocabulary. Sure. Yeah. Because uh, there's just no need for like this savior mindset or complex Mm. about adoptive parents and just taking that off of them because, and like foster parents, like all of these, like the amount of comments that I have shut down of like, I can't believe that y'all did that. Like y'all are so amazing. And I'm like, it's almost like this added pressure for you. I feel like, right. it, it, It is. And it's like, I like no like the Lord like God brought Selah to us and like we are so thankful and yeah. like if you want to talk about who's amazing let's talk about her mom yeah like let's talk yeah. about what her mom chose and how brave she was like and how amazing she is like we are not amazing like we're just humans and we're just so like because of the grace of God Selah is our daughter and we're so mm. thankful but also because of like a really broken crappy situation yeah you absolutely know? Um, what a great perspective to take, though. So, and that's where I wanted to, I'm going to read this word for word because um, I found, I actually, I reposted this reel on my Instagram story a couple weeks ago. It's um, becoming Lydia Fay is the, her Instagram tag, and we'll tag it in our show notes. But she posted one of those reels. It was like a trending sound of like, what's something you'll get a lot of hate for if you say mm-hmm. it out loud? And on her video, it said, I don't believe... She's an an adult adoptee, so she was adopted. She said, I don't believe it was God's plan for me to be adopted and for families to be broken. And then she said, like, read the caption. And hang on, I got to get a breath. (laughs) I saw this, and I was like, wow. It's really good. Um, Her caption said, I grew up hearing that it was God's will for me to end up with my adoptive parents. 
and it led me to asking myself these questions. Why did God, God plan for my birth family to experience separation to complete my adoptive family? Why was I born into the wrong family? What about this is perfect? Why was it not God's will for me to be reunited? Am I not allowed to grieve my birth family because this is God's will? Mm. And then she said, I believe God, adoption is not God's perfect will, but, but is an example of his permissive will due to the sin and brokenness of our world. Wow. We must acknowledge the circumstances, physical, emotional, sex, sexual abuse, poverty, coercion, violence, incarceration, social pressures, lack of support, and homelessness that led to adoption. And we must hold space for the complexities, grief, loss, and trauma that adoptees and our families of origin experience in the separation. Wow. Which to me just sums up, like, I couldn't. Literally everything. I could not say it better if I tried, like. That is incredible. Incredible. Did you start following her after? I did, yeah. <laughs> what an amazing, yeah. like, point to take. And I'm sure she probably was so nervous to post that because yeah. of, like, maybe backlash that she mm-hmm. got. But, wow, because I feel like as Christians you hear that. Like, when something bad happens to you, even, I think, I talked about this in my miscarriage episode. Yeah. It's like people want to jump ship and say, well, this is God's will for you. And it's like. Um, that doesn't yeah. really feel good. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know if this was because his will was not for a broken world. Yes, like, yes. And that's where I think like it adoption has become this thing that people have put on a pedestal of yeah. like people over spiritualize it and make yeah. it this like like God's will thing. And same with like people who foster, like the people who foster foster parents, people put them on this pedestal. And this to me just says it all of like, no, this is a result of like a broken world and mm-hmm. what God takes it and makes it into. Like, he makes it something beautiful. Yes. Exactly. But also let's recognize what got us here. Like let's start focusing on homelessness and yes. sexual abuse and all of these things that are contributing to the cyclical systematic failure yeah. that's failing these kids. And even though he can make something beautiful out of it, there's still so there's much. There's still so much crap. Yeah, even through the beauty. Like, yeah. even though Sayla is thriving and so happy, she will still have things that she's going to deal with for yes, the rest of her life. Completely. Yeah, so I thought that wow. was just a perfect way to sum it up. And yes. again, adoption is like, it's not a bad thing. Like, it's not. It's just, it's, compl- it's complex. And I think that I, if I could like, communicate one thing through this episode it would be to just start acknowledging the complexities of it instead of just making it this like yeah it's a beautiful thing yeah that's so great and that's why we always we love i mean i love that because ask questions like yeah there are so many complexities that i am not even aware of Mm -hmm. and just ask ask people yeah i totally agree um and then another thing i've learned is that the like what i've said earlier adoption is a broken system there's lots of people who go about it unethically the price of it is outrageous. I was about to say, do you think that's more because of the money, like money focus? Money, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and just like a lot of coercion, like you hear about a lot of coercion um, on the back end of like um, birth moms who like were basically like talked into it. it just, just a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. And uh, let's see, I already kind of said that part. Um, I've learned that Selah can simultaneously love us. Mm but can also grieve grieve her birth family and, like, what her life would have been, mm. like, what it would have looked like, like, that I, I know it will make me sad one day if she looks at me and says, like, I, like, I love you, but I, like, wonder what it would be like if, like, my yeah. mom could have, like, parented me. But that's almost, it's almost like, well, I think it's amazing to acknowledge, yes, that will make you sad, but also that that's, like, a 
normal thing for Sayla to feel. Like, and she should feel that. Absolutely. So that I've learned that like it, I hadn't even, I hadn't even gone ahead to like that thought process of like what it would be like. And like those kind of thoughts are obviously welcome and safe in our home because she needs room to process and they will be safe with a counselor and her peers and role models who look like her. Like it's not just going to be us processing through those things with her. It's going to be people surrounding her and help like, and giving her a safe place where she can say things that she can't say to us. that she doesn't feel comfortable saying to us. Like we want her to have that. Yeah. Um, Another thing I've learned is people are rude and insensitive. No. <laughs> we haven't had, a, we really haven't had a lot said to us. Yeah. I'm sure it's coming, um, especially living in the South. Let's just be real. Um, yeah. But where it's funny, we just, because I feel like in the South, you're supposed to be really sweet, right? Really sweet, yeah. But lots of, lots of, I feel like the passive South just aggressive? has lots of passive aggressive, lots of yeah. stereotypes. Um, also the South, we are all in each other's business too much, too much. Yeah. And this is the thing of like, n- please like stop asking if you can touch kids hair, especially kids hair that looks different than yours. I already have it in my head that if anyone ever asked if they can touch has, Taylor's hair, say, has anybody ever asked? no one has ever asked me. Um, but if anyone ever does, I'm going to look at them and say, well, can I touch your hair? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say and just see what they do. Are you comfortable with me touching your hair? Like how, a, a I mean, for stranger. real. That's so weird. Like, what an intimate thing to do to touch someone's hair. Does that actually happen, like, a stranger? Yes, 100%. Oh I know personally, I have friends who have adopted children that that has happened to them. That is so uncomfortable. Isn't that crazy? Very uncomfortable. Yeah, so. The nerve of some people. And here's the thing, like, I think our differences are incredible. Like yeah. we are, not, we are not a colorblind family. Like we see color. Mm-hmm. It's like God made us look different for a reason. We acknowledge it. It like makes us who we are. Right. So instead of saying, just say your hair is is her, beautiful. Your hair is beautiful. Yeah. We do. I we've had way more of that. I will That's say, it. and she does have beautiful. She has beautiful hair. hair. She does. It's incredible. <laughs> um. So I will say that. We have had way more of that. I'm just prepared for the first time that happens. That will be my gut reaction is, can I touch your hair? <laughs> I would just want to smack somebody. <laughs> um, and then, like I was saying earlier, the amount, like, I we have had one person um, ask us, like, we were, we were dropping her off at church nursery, and the person who is in charge of the nursery said, just looked right at me and was like, is she adopted? And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> My. Just like how, just just the questions of like, I understand that people are curious, especially when they see families that like don't look like each other. But what an insensitive thing to yes. say. And I was so caught off guard that I just was like, yeah, but now moving forward, like oh especially as Sayla, as Sayla and our other kid, future kids are like old enough to be aware understand of it. Understand what that she I'm said. going to shut it down immediately and say like, it's it's that's really not, not your business. Yeah, <laughs> like, and it's not is, an appropriate question. It's not an appropriate question. And like, I really hope that you don't ask that question to other people again, especially in front of their children. That is so, I am shocked. Yes. I am shocked, but then I'm not. Yeah. Because I mean, like. I mean, my my little sister, um, I think she'll come on the podcast eventually. They yeah. fostered for a little bit. And the amount of questions that people would ask in front of the little girl that was um, living with them. She was eight years old. Fully oh, so cognizant. she's very aware. Yes, the amount of questions and types of questions that people would ask about her family or her background, like just in, like it's for some reason, if people they are aware okay. that they're not biological children, they think that it automatically gives them this like full, like they can have full disclosure of their personal history. Yeah, because I, I do, I agree with that. I feel like if it was a biological child, they would never ask those personal questions no. about anything. Like, no, it's just, it's so weird. So, 
Um, mm. I feel confident that our listeners are not these people. <laughs> because, yeah, I, well, I do too. I just, I think it's people who have really, really low self-awareness. But yes. um, also, if you see that happening, like... Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Yeah. Don't um, be afraid to. And then I think just the biggest thing that we've learned from adoption is that God God writes our stories and he makes beauty beauty from ashes and he redeems the adoptive parents don't redeem it birth parents don't redeem it adoptees like god alone redeems all of it mm. and makes it beautiful and we have no idea what that looks like 5 years from now 20 years from now 5 months from now like he's yeah. writing it and we're just like i love i just love the picture of the redeeming that he's redeeming the story all along yes, you know like, 100% yeah. and i like we don't know what that looks like with yeah. us, with her birth family. Like, we just don't even know. You can't know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's, like, the beauty of it is it that is. we're not in charge. I'm so thankful we're not in charge. Oh, aren't you? I mean, we've said Every this day. before. <laughs> like, praise God that we are not in charge. Seriously. So that's a quick – I could probably go on for a really long time, but I'll oh my gosh, shut it down there. Amazing. So um, I just – I literally – I feel like we could talk about this forever <laughs> and ever. This is why we're going to have several episodes sure. on this. Um, but we did ask you guys some questions, or I guess questions that you guys had on adoption. So yeah. I'm just going to run through these really quick. Um, one of the questions was, is it different for newborns versus older kids? Yes. Yeah, so um, private domestic is not as common with older kids. I know it does happen. I know I know a family who um, their daughter was two when they adopted her privately. Okay. Um, I don't— It's I don't, usually newborns. Usually newborns. I don't think logistically it would look a lot different. Yeah. Um, I think you would just, like, the rights would be signed immediately, but mostly older adoptions are done through foster care, which we'll cover later. Okay. Next question. How do y'all feel about the extremely high cost of adoption and background checks? Um, you know, <laughs> it's it's really crappy because it is it is really expensive. There are reasons it's really expensive. Some, some like, some agencies are, it's really inflated and it's unethical, it's a lot of legal fees, a lot of legal fees, because it's a lot of things done like legal through the state, through yeah. the not like through the U.S. government. Like it's it's a lot of things that are happening. To where I was very happy to like have someone take care of that. That wasn't me because I don't know anything. And I guess about it's lawyers and lawyers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like we had a, most of our fees were lawyers. Um, there's also birth mom expenses. You mm. are covering um all of their living expenses during that duration. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And counseling. One of the reasons we chose our agency was they um, really folk like they made it clear that they were passionate about birth moms' mental health. So That's amazing. Um, they have the birth moms they work with have counseling during the process of like while they're pregnant and then also after afterwards. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, after That's they incredible. choose adoption, and if they don't choose adoption, they also have it if they decide to parent. Wow. Um. So there's some like I I almost broke out my paperwork to like look at it, but. It's just, it's so many things. And we did get, like, an itemized yeah. thing of, of everything. Well, a lot of people ask about the cost. How much does it cost? Yeah. I mean, does it kind of, it kind of ranges. It kind of varies. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least a couple, like, tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, so it, it really and does vary. And that's also very different, too, internationally. Oh, yeah. yeah you're also, very different. This is just domestic. Yeah, and if you're going through the foster care system, it's very different. Very different. Yeah. Okay. Um, another question was, how did you pick the, or how do you pick an agency? You kind of touched on this. Yeah. I'm going to go back really quick to how did you afford it? Because um, that's a big, like a a lot of people, when I talk to people, like when people come to me about adoption, that's a big question because it is very expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, we did a fundraising. We did some fundraising. 
Um, I still wear my shirt. Yeah, we did a t-shirt <laughs> fundraiser. We did our yard sale, which was really awesome. People donated a lot of stuff to us. Um, mugs. Mm-hmm. We did coffee it. mugs. Yeah. yeah, someone designed a coffee mug for us. And um, we saved. Neil and I both drove for Uber in that time. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. On the weekends, we both drove for Uber. Um, and hey, I, that's a great way to make money. It really was. It was like, I mean, we made our, it was outside of our like normal work schedule mm-hmm. and we just did it whenever. I also delivered groceries for shipped. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I just, we did like a bunch of side things and yeah. saved money. We saved money. We budgeted like crazy. And we also had some people that just like gave us some very generous loans, very generous gifts. Yeah. Um, but it's. It's one of those things of like we know that we'll do it again and we will just save our booties off mm-hmm. and or even like take out a personal loan. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to do it, but um yeah, it's pretty it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, the other question was how did you pick an agency or how do you pick an agency? Um I just I'm such a gut person. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I I do everything on whether I have a piece or about it. Same. Or not. So that's kind of how we did. We looked we I think the best place you can start is I feel like most people know of someone who has adopted or, like, has a friend who has, you know, like, um, and I would just start asking questions and then just start getting, I mean, you can have information meetings. I think pretty much all these agencies probably do, like, Zoom info meetings now with COVID. I'm sure. Um, And just, like, for us, what was really important to us was um, that the, that birth moms were, like, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, when the agency we landed on, that was, like, one of the first things they talked about. We liked that they were smaller. We didn't really care about a super fast timeline. Yeah. I think it just depends on what's important to you. Yeah, your priority. Yeah. Yeah, and just then also... make a list with your right, partner. Your, your budget yeah. and, like, um, just, I again, with your gut. Like, again, that first one, we didn't have a good feeling about it. And then yeah. we went with the one that we did. I didn't realize it was the third one, too. Yeah. We had three. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, someone asked where to begin. Um, I would say... I think say, that was kind of what you just touched on, like, ask around. Yeah, and yeah. I would say also just start to maybe follow some, like, um, birth moms and, like, adoptees on Instagram, even some, like, adoptive moms. And there's a lot of, like, it, like we'll link all of the things. I would just say that would be a good place to start. Yeah. And just start to read and just make sure that it is, like, you feel a piece about it and that you're, like, willing to do the work. Because as an adoptive parent, like... The majority there's work to be done, and it's yeah. on you. It's not on yeah. anybody else. Yeah, and you you have lots of books that you can recommend. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then the last question was where to go to get credible information. Mm. Uh that's hard because she said the rest of it was like they found her and her husband have thought about it, but they found like a lot of corruption along the way. Mm. I really would just say like go with the people that you trust and, um. You can always reach out to me, and I'm happy to connect you mm-hmm. with, like, the. I do know of a few agencies, like, across the states that um, I would so recommend great. that I've heard good things about. And, again, I think just, like, asking the right questions. Um, I mean, you can ask specifically about the finances. Like, I remember yeah. one of the agencies we looked at, like, the line item, there was, like, a line that said, like, miscellaneous, and it was, like, seven grand. I, I remember. I think you told me Yeah, that. I was like, yeah. um, What no, is that? I'm going to need some more detail. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to know what that is. Yeah, like, I want to know where this money it's is going. It's one thing if it says, like, $20, but seven grand. Seven grand, yeah. yeah. Like, I have several questions. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I would say just people you trust, and I'm truly so happy to answer any questions. Awesome. Um, okay, we also asked adoptive moms who follow us what they would like for us to chat about and touch on. Um, so you guys said relationships with birth, mom, and family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
That looks different for everybody. I mean, that's something that is really important to us, and I'm not going to go into detail about what that's like. But I think it just depends on the person, what y'all agreed on, what the birth family agrees on. We are always, the only thing I'll say is, like, we're always going to default to whatever Sayla's mom feels most comfortable with. Like, it's her choice, um, what she wants to hear or see from us, and we will always respect that. Love that. Um, next one was feeling highs and lows at the same time. So mm-hmm. many mixed emotions, which I feel like you touched yeah. on that a lot yeah. in your story. That yeah. there's a space for all of them, mm-hmm. and you're you have a right to all of them. Yeah, for sure. Um, next one, it's hard if you adopt an infant or a teen. It's hard, but also wonderful. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one. Ooh, it just skipped me around. I'm sorry. It says um, the need to pursue counseling as your child matures. Oh, wow. Which um, I know she won't care that I rat her out because my mom said this. (laughs) Because my little brother's adopted. And um, we just have talked all along the way of, like, how it's important for, like, as adoptive parents to be in counseling Mm -hmm. about it. And then also, like— I know technically Sailor could do be like play therapy right now, but yeah. as soon as she's old enough to start like processing through these emotions and like asking serious questions, you want to put her in therapy. immediately. Yeah. We obviously will be answering them, but also yeah. like we want her to have a safe place from the from the jump. Yeah. Someone that like we trust and is recommended. Absolutely. Highly. But um, you know us. We're big counseling people. We're over big here. counseling people. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's always for anybody to have a third party yeah. that like you just feel like you can yeah. unload everything on. Yeah, so, so I completely agree with my mom. I think it's important for all parties. And even just having somebody, you don't wait till something's wrong. Like, just yeah. have somebody that you can, like, check in with. Yeah. And bounce ideas off of and f- thoughts and feelings. So I think it's so great. Um. Okay, so that is all for that very wordy topic. Yes. <laughs> I'm scared to look at it. how long it is. I know. We, we're not going to look at it. <laughs> But um, it, it really is one. Of, it's one of those things that as most topics, it. it's just hard to yeah. cram it in. No, that you know? was so beautiful. I loved it. Um, so, like we said at the top of the episode, we'll revisit this topic, and we do ask that you take all of this with a grain of salt. A lot of this is just my personal experience or personal experiences and lessons that I've learned from those around me. Mm. Um, so, we're really excited to bring on some different voices yes. to discuss this who have different backgrounds and, and experiences for sure. Yep. Okay, car. Let's chat about the things that we are loving. Yes. Hit me with yours. Okay, so first and foremost, I've got these really long, luscious lashes They're on, beautiful. guys. They're called Flutter Habit. Um, so a little background. In 2019, I did get some eyelash extensions for like a short period of time, and I love them. But they broke off my eyelashes and also broke the bank. <laughs> Which is sad. because It they're, is sad. They do look so good. But they do look great. Man. I just could not do it long term. Yeah. So a girl from my did church. Did all of your eyelashes come out when you did No. It? Okay. I just noticed them that they definitely were thinner. I know thinner. a couple of people who literally lost every eyelash. Really? Yeah. I mean, all the ones that they were like attached to. Yeah, you know? no. It never did that for me. But I have noticed that during in pregnancy, too, I just lose, like, and postpartum. I just don't I have forgot. a lot of eyelashes. Yeah. This just happens to me. So. Uh, a girl I go to church with, she's been using these for a couple of years. She swears they don't make her eyelashes fall out. Yeah. And they're very affordable. Yeah. If you do, like, the monthly subscription, it's $25 a Amazing. month for all, like, And they look an so good. Month. Yeah, I'm on day five. I can kind of tell they're starting to, like, maybe separate a little bit, but that's pretty impressive. You, and how long did you say it took you to put them on the first time? Like, maybe 30 minutes. So, if you got it down pat, how long do you think? I think it would be a lot, I mean, a lot quicker. Like, 15 like, or 20? Yeah. Which is so worth it to have, to not have to put mascara on for a I whole week. I have not worn, I hate 
putting on mascara. So do I. It's the big like, I literally hate it. My sister-in-law cracks up laughing because I wait to the last second. Same. Like, I will be fully dressed and it. ready and, like, do it in the car. I know. I hate it. <laughs> so this has been so nice. I really do love them. We'll link it, do of course. You, uh, do you – okay, so when you wash your face, do you have to, like, be careful with your that, eyes? That, I will say, is kind of the most annoying thing. Yeah. But you have to do that with eyelash extensions anyways. Yeah. Are you supposed to, like, I not still, get them wet? You can get them wet, I think, but like I just to to make them last longer, yeah. I'm just trying not to. And like I washed my hair yesterday, and mm-hmm. that was kind of difficult. Yeah, but I just was more aware of it, right? You know, and I haven't been like it hasn't altered my sleeping or anything like that. So. Yeah, love, love them. And they then look so secondly, good. are um, I know I'm like so behind, but the Aha drinks, like the I haven't had those. Are you? Have you not? No, I'm behind too. It's just the carbonated water drinks you know how everyone does well the, there's a thousand of them what what this is aha aha are these the probiotic ones have you seen those no i don't think so okay but one of david's cousins i love had, the carbonated like, water i do too and she brought these to the christmas mm-hmm. and i just bought them the other day because i was like oh yeah those are really good what flavor do you like this one is a raspberry something they all have like several you know flavors but mm-hmm. this one's a raspberry i'm gonna give you one when we leave okay because it's downstairs they're Works so for me. good i Love carbonated water. Me too. Sometimes I'm like, is there anything bad about me drinking like I three know. of these a day? <laughs> you can't overdo it. I think maybe I should stop. <laughs> Everything in moderation. Maybe it's gonna That's mess up the, my the moral of the story. Everything in more moderation. But they are so good. Gosh, I love it. I don't drink anything but water and coffee. Yeah, truly, same. so this is just like a good, like just a little change up. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So those are mine. Just maybe don't drink three a day like I do. <laughs> That's always a good point. <laughs> now I need to Google, day? like, if I've been, like, damaging my work. <laughs> okay. Um, I just have two as well. Okay. I have been getting so into reading. Mm-hmm. And I'm just loving it. I used to read all the time when I was little. Like I've started reading more, too. Yeah. I, f- I feel like you're reading a ton, too. Yeah. I literally could not put books down when I was little. And then I guess, like, in college, it just – I didn't do it as much. And then for the first part of, like, adulthood – I just didn't make the time for it. Yeah. And so now I have been, for the last couple of weeks, I've been putting my phone down when we get in bed, not putting on a TV show or getting on my phone, and for like 30 minutes reading. And it's making me sleep you better. sleep better, for sure. I get sleepy yeah. faster. And I am, I'm a pretty fast reader in general. It ticks me off so much. It takes <laughs> can, me a while to read. <laughs> I can fly through a book. But because I'm doing that every night, mm-hmm. I'm I read almost four books in January. Oh my gosh! No, so that's way more than me. I read Four Winds by Kristen Hanna. Okay, despised it. <laughs> I did not love it. Did you post that that you didn't like it? Yeah, okay. she's the same girl who wrote The Nightingale. And see, I love The Nightingale. Well, okay, so I listened to a podcast, a book club podcast today that went over this book, and everybody was like, "This was for sure not my favorite book of hers." Okay, okay, it was just so. Have you read The Nightingale? No, it's on my Kindle. I love that. I book. need to read it. They're yeah. making it to a movie. Oh, really? Yeah, they're casting the Fanning sisters, Dakota and I Elle. I love them. Right? Oh my god. I gosh. haven't read it, but I'm so excited. Okay, I'm so excited. Um, and then I read Verity by Colleen I've Hoover. I heard that. That's really good. Okay. It was the most disturbing book I've ever read. Oh, wait, really? I read it in five hours. <laughs> oh my god. I could not put it down. Oh my gosh. But I don't recommend it. Everybody is like raving about Colleen Hoover right now. She is, she is the, she is She's it like right the now, it girl. Yeah, I, <laughs> Sky, um, Skyler from yeah. Mana, who who you've met or know of, um, she sent me a whole list of Colleen Hoover books. Okay, it's, well, send them to me. I will. It's she's pretty sexual in her writing. Mm. I think it's a little spicy. So maybe that's why she's the it girl. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I don't recommend Verity 
to fellow moms, there were some really disturbing things about kids in there. Oh, my gosh. But it was one of those books, like, every I posted that I couldn't, and literally everyone who DM'd me was a mom and was like, didn't you feel like the worst human because you couldn't put it down, but it was, like, so awful. And I was like, yes, you Wait, get me. Wait, oh, my gosh, maybe I should. I'll tell you about right it now. when we're done okay. recording. Um, and right now I'm reading Luckiest Girl Alive in my Oxford year. So those are my book things right Love now. Love it. Um, and then my second thing is we, over Christmas, got Salo transferred into a big girl bed, which is actually – was so much smoother than I thought it she was going like, to be. She, like, rock star status. Um, I think she's so independent. I think she just was dying. Yeah. Like, now that she has the freedom, she's, like, living her best life. And we got her Betty's bedding. Yeah. Did I talk about this already? It's one of my favorite things. I know you've talked no, to me about we, it, but I don't think No, you. we hadn't been recording when yeah. I got it. So um, we'll link them in our show notes. But Betty's, it's, like... A zip-up thing, Yeah, right? it's all one piece, yeah. and it doesn't have a top sheet, but, like, the comforter, the under part of it is that, like, minky. It's really soft. Um, I, I definitely want to get one for River It's eventually. awesome. Yeah. So you can take the whole thing off and wash, wash it. Wash it, yeah. You can, the part, the top part zips off, but she, at two years old, makes her bed perfectly right now because she just zips it all the way up. That's amazing. It's ideal. I love that. Yeah. And I, I told her, I was like, send me the link because River's going to, he's not there yet. Yeah. But he will be. In it's the next pricey. Six, six, it's yeah. pricey for toddler bedding, but yeah. in my opinion, it's, it's already worth been it. worth it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because I hate putting on sheets just in general, Same. even on my bed. So. And, and, and especially on those like little twin mattresses oh my gosh, or like so toddler mattresses. To it's so annoying. Yes. So, and if you have bunk beds, get Betty's bedding. Like how <laughs> oh perfect. Yeah. Climbing up on a bunk bed. Yes. Get, no, thank you. No, thank you. Okay, guys, so that is our episode. Tay, thank you so much for sharing your heart and your journey. I just continuously like doing this podcast with you. I'm truly just amazed at your bravery and your beauty and your honesty. So thank you so much for sharing. And always, thank you guys for listening and getting messy with us. See See you next week. week.